Hey, uh, you guys go sit down. You want to stand right there while I preach? Oh, you can't hear me? Good morning. Good morning. We're kind of scattered around this morning. Let's see if we can see everybody today. It's good to have you with us this morning. If you're a guest with us, my name is Jamie. I am the, one of the two lead pastors, co-pastors here. And it's a privilege to serve you and to be a part of things here. I'm, I'm glad that you're with us this morning on the weirdest day of the year. It's probably the best day of the year, right? Because everybody got an extra hour of sleep. Yes. I love that extra hour of sleep. You should have seen like the worship team. We were done a half hour early in practice this morning. We're like, what happened? It was like, because we were all awake and like ready. But the big problem with this Sunday is that about now you're starting to feel hungry, right? You're starting to, you're going to get a hangry by the time I'm done preaching. So if anybody is in an emergency during my message, they're sugar gra- crashing or whatever, I have a granola bar up here, okay? Just, just so that I'm prepared for you. It has your name on it? No, it doesn't. It says caveman. Yeah, it says caveman right there. It's not your name. You're, you're Brenda. I, I don't know. Anyway, just check in. Okay, so if somebody's crashing or if I'm crashing, I might crack into it and eat it too. Uh, we are in a series called Parables, and uh, it's called Parables because they're the parables of Jesus, right? <laughs> We're talking about parables and looking uh, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, at how Jesus taught us. So this morning, uh, this, this week's parable is actually going to be in Matthew 13, if you want to open your Bible there. And uh, it's got two parts of Matthew 13 we'll be looking at. But I wanted to tell you, I, I kind of told the, the prayer team this this morning, like, <clears throat> I wrote this sermon last week. I finished it. I try to finish my sermons by Thursday evening so that when I go home, I can try to just like turn off everything and be with the family and do all that stuff. So like, that's my deadline. And this week I did that. I finished it. I have it all typed out. It's all in here in my notes. And I got the backgrounds all ready to go. And then God just kept, you ever had one of those things where you a scripture or a song or something gets in your head and God's just like talking to you all weekend about it, or all week. It's just kind of sitting in there not boiling, simmering. There's the word I'm looking for. Just sitting there simmering like a good sauce. And God kind of did that with this passage for me this week. And I realized that, it's like, wow, I wrote a sermon that's kind of, it's good. It goes, you know, if if this is surface, we're going to go a little deep. But God just kept bringing it deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's one of the cool things about parables is they just keep speaking to us. So with all of that, I kind of actually have a sermon before the sermon, a sermon within the sermon to give um, that speaks a little bit more to why parables are so important for us. So now that the time has changed, we'll be out for a walk in the evening. And it, like actually around January, I love how it gets so dark. You guys know that? Like it's suddenly super dark. And you could go out for a walk in the evening and you're walking along and like all the people forgot to put their blinds up. You guys know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, everybody looked at me like I'm a creeper because he's like, wait a minute, are you peeking on our windows? Maybe. It's fun, especially around Christmas, as you walk past people's houses, you know, and it's dark and the windows are glowing with light and you see inside and you, you see the Christmas tree, you see the joy going on in the house, you see people eating dinner, you see kids wrestling and fighting, and occasionally you see weird things, people with knives, but we don't, we don't pay attention to that stuff, we just keep walking. Uh, you, you see all this cool stuff in people's houses, there's things going on, it's life, and it seems like there's so much joy in a lot of people's homes as you walk past at night, so it's really fun peeking into people's windows in a good sort of way, from the street, not from the hedge, okay, just to be clear, from the street, not from the hedge. Um, So I really enjoy doing that during this time of year. So hold on to that for a second, and I want you to think about this. So we had a series called uh, on culture recently, and we said that 
culture, what it is, it's that set of rules about the way we do things around here, right? It's that unspoken set of rules. Just like peeping in people's windows is not okay, that's a cultural standard. They have all of these cultural standards that tell us how we should live, how we should think, what we should do, that we should purchase, and we should purchase so much at Christmas time. We should uh, do this or that. It's the list of shoulds, and we should all the time. I should be doing this. I should be living this way. And what happens, though, with many of us is we come to church on a Sunday morning, and the pastor, myself, or somebody else will preach, and we think, you know what? And I'm going to say this, and some of you are going to be like, no. You know, we think, that's crazy what he is saying. That goes completely opposite of what the world is saying. It goes completely opposite of like, when I go out these doors, like immediately after this service, everything that he just said is completely impossible. It does not work that way. Life does not work that way. Forgive? We don't forgive. We're supposed to hold grudges. That's what the world tells us to do. Give our money away? What are you talking about? We're supposed to amass wealth. It's insane to talk about giving our money away. Our time, spend our time serving other people. I've got to work harder so I can have more. That's what my culture tells me. I've got to work harder so I can get a higher grade. That's what my culture tells me, the unspoken rules. It's back to the window. The reason it feels so crazy, the things that we will preach about here, is that what is happening is that you are standing on the sidewalk looking into the window of the kingdom of heaven. You are hearing things that are normal in the kingdom of heaven, but you are still looking at these things from the perspective of the street. You're still looking at them from the perspective of your workplace, of your family circumstances and situations. You're still thinking about what the Bible says from the perspective of a person who isn't a part of the kingdom of God. That's why so much of the Bible is radically confusing to us. It makes no sense. And so people that are on the outside of the church that want to have nothing to do with it, they look at us like we're crazies. They look at us like we're religious nuts because they don't understand life from the perspective. The parables are so awesome because what they are is not just a window into heaven and the kingdom of heaven, but they're an invitation for you to step into it and to become a part of God's reality that is on the inside of the kingdom of heaven. He's inviting us to switch our perspective around. Instead of being out on the street, now we're inside the house and we're looking out. Now we're looking at our lives from the perspective of the kingdom of God. We're looking at our lives from the perspective of what God is doing in us, around us, and through us all the time. Does that make sense? You guys following that switch of perspective? So with that, we want to dive into this parable because this parable has been doing that to me all weekend. It's like from the outside, it just seems it's a nice story. Then I start stepping into that story, and it starts to mess with me a little bit. And it's the parable of the sower. It's a parable we're all very familiar with. And it starts in Matthew chapter 13, right at the very beginning. And I'm going to actually start, if you have a red letter Bible, which means, you know, the words of Jesus are highlighted in red, so you know Jesus said that, not somebody else. I'm going to start with that. I'm just going to tell you his parable. A sower went out to sow, period. It's an odd first sentence. And he sowed some seeds, or as, and, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and they devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, and since they, did not, they had no depth of soil, whoops, so, sorry, I've got to read this, I'm like stumbling over myself as I read. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose... They were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. 
Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good ground and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Weird way to end it. Weird way to end it. So now the disciples are with Jesus, and they're like, we've talked about this before. They're, they're, they're the, the people that are supposed to be in the know, right? The people that are with Jesus all the time. So I'm certain, because it says there was a crowd. Jesus is actually in a boat right at the edge of the shoreline, preaching to this massive crowd of people, and the disciples are sitting back there going, yep, preach it, brother. Amen. You guys with me? You awake? Are you hungry? <laughs> I'm awake. Hurry up. Get on with it. So these guys are sitting in the boat, and they're like, yes, 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 Lord. Preach it. Amen. You know, they're Pentecostals, I guess, in the first century, and they're excited about what he's saying. And then they get, as soon as the, the crowds go away, he's with Jesus, and Peter tugs on his sleeve and says, Jesus, what the heck were you talking about? I mean, we're fishermen, for starters. They're in a boat. They're, this is their livelihood. They know fishing. They know fish. They know water. They know storms. They know all these things, but they're not farmers. And Jesus is using this farming analogy that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Some of the crowd may have got it, but he says, look, I'm going to tell you these things in parables because not everybody's meant to understand them. We have spiritual eyes and spiritual ears, and many of us are stopped up our ears or closed our eyes to them. Let me explain to you this parable so that you would understand. So he explains it. So now we're going to jump to verse 18, and I'm going to finish reading Jesus' explanation of the parable. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word... Immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So Jesus explains the parable. And really what he explains is the soil. And what we've been teaching you guys to do is to read the parable and to notice, right? That word notice. Notice what's going on. Notice who the characters are. Notice the repeated words. So I noticed a character that Jesus didn't explain. And that's not to say that Jesus didn't think it was important, but I think Jesus is assuming that the central character is seen and known, and that is the sower, right? The sower. It begins with these words. A sower went out to sow. We're not talking about a sewing machine sower. We're talking about a farming sower. So this in the first century is the person that is responsible for putting the seed into the ground. Nowadays, we've got giant machines to do this stuff, right? We farm millions of acres with like eight people and like seven giant bug-looking like machines. We'll go out there and they'll till for days and days and days. And then they'll go out and they'll put furrows in the ground for days and days and days. And then they drop the seeds one at a time. And each seed has been coated with its own little special fertilizer, and so it's going to grow at just the right time, at just the right moment when this, this, the soil and the temperatures and all that stuff is just right. This guy, his job is to follow after the guys with the plows. And the guys with the plows are plowing with oxen in front of them, and the oxen are doing what oxen do in the soil. So this guy is dirty. He's filthy. He's covered. He is 
He has got the soil of the earth underneath his fingernails, and he is out. His job is to sow. And apparently, he's a terrible sower. I mean, this guy is apparently no good at his job. He sounds a little bit like my, my eight-year-old daughter when a good song comes on. It's like he's dancing and flinging things because he's got seed that's really precious, and it's going out, and it's bouncing on the pathway next to the farm, and it's got some of it, this, whoa, oh, darn it, there's the weed patch over there. Some of the seed's gone in there, and he just keeps throwing seeds around, and he's just, everywhere he goes, he's flinging seeds. Johnny Appleseed, he's throwing seeds all over the place. In this story, the sower is God. More, Even more specifically, Jesus is saying, I am the sower of the seeds. I'm going through life. I'm going through whatever God has called me, my pathway before me. And everywhere I go, seeds of the kingdom of heaven, seeds of a word of the kingdom are being scattered about. Now, we don't want to even pretend that any of us are so consistent as to always be one kind of soil or another, right? I mean, no, no, no one here is just entirely a pathway, <laughs> entirely beaten and trotted down so much that nothing could ever grow in you. You wouldn't be here if that was the case. None of us are all rocky soil, and none of us are all weedy soil, and none of us are all good soil, although some of us want to believe that. that was a, you get my joke. Some of us want to believe that, but Jesus is out here throwing seeds around, willy-nilly, and they're coming into our lives at odd angles, at odd times. And when we think about this, we have to ask, what should our response be in the midst of that? I mean, what is our job? My job is to be dirt, right? I'm supposed to be dirt. And I'm watching for seeds. The sower has come to you. And he is sowing seeds of the kingdom in his, into your life. And I think often we get so busy, we get so distracted, that we just miss the seeds that are coming at us. And we don't even really have time to think about the type of soil that we are or how we're receiving those seeds. But Because we, we miss the seeds altogether. In whatever circumstance you find yourself in life right now, whether you're dealing with uh, medical conditions or pain or loss, or whether you're like at the peak of your career and, and finances are fabulous, or if you're just changing jobs or changing locations, or you're working on a degree, or you're a stay-at-home mom, or you're a stay-at-home dad, or whatever circumstance life has you in, God is still sowing seeds. This is like this good news in the midst of this little parable. The sower went out to sow. He has come to you to sow seeds into your life. And whether you see them or you don't, whether you think your circumstances dictate life, here inside the kingdom of God, the reality is looking into that window, there is Jesus, and he is dancing around, and he is joyful, and he is excited, and there are seeds flying everywhere. And they're coming into your life at every angle, in every direction, at every moment. And the question is, will you receive the seed? Will you receive the work that God wants to do in you? Now, think about the seeds. So in this passage, basically my outline is this. It's the the sower, the seed, and the soil. (laughs) You needed one of those big pastor three S's moments. The sower, the seed, the soil. The thing about the seed that the sower is throwing into your life is this. I mean, what do we know about seeds? I'm not even looking at my notes anymore. I'm just going. It's okay, because it won't change pages anyway. There we go. The seeds. The The text specifically says the seeds are a word of the kingdom of God. 
it's a word. So when, when God speaks words, know this, things happen. In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void, and they said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. I mean, that's just the nature of God. He speaks and things come into existence. So when God gives a word of the kingdom to you, it's going to come into existence. So these seeds are coming at us. But what do we know about seeds? Seeds are actually really awkward because they're very small. The smallest of seeds often create the biggest of plants. This whole chapter 13, Jesus is just whipping out all kinds of parables of, of, of soil and seeds and fruits and things like that. And one of them, he says, the kingdom of God is like this mustard seed. I actually have some of them in my office. I should have brought one. They're a tiny little seed, no bigger than a BB from a BB gun, if you know what that big, how big that is. Or those little pearls you put on top of sugar cookies that go all over the house. They're about that big. And that thing will produce a plant that is 8 to 10 feet tall. And it spreads its branches very wide. It is like one of the worst of weeds if it's planted in the wrong place because it takes up everything. And everything, like birds, land in it and they nest in this thing. Little tiny seed. And that's the way the kingdom of God comes to us. It's not these big moments. See, that's what we expect. Uh, we talk in EHS about uh, having, having a, a daily office. And the daily office is just a moment of time, five minutes or so, where we quiet our spirit we quiet our mind, and we say, here I am, Lord. I am in your presence. It's, it comes from the Old Testament specifically, where God says, you know, be still and know that I am God. Let all the earth stand in silence before me. So we stop, and we, we get into this place of silence before God. And then we wait, and we rest, and we listen, and then we listen to the Scripture. And from that, we allow God to speak to our lives. It's slowing down. Now, when we do this, often the, one of the big questions that I get is like, am I supposed to feel something when, I, when I'm silent? Am I supposed to like have this big moment with God? Is like the Holy Spirit supposed to fall and I'm supposed to speak in tongues? And, you know, we, we have a mentality because of our culture that bigger is better, right? That the feeling is the most important thing. And Jesus says that the kingdom of God is coming to you in your circumstances as a seed, not as a freight train, you know, not as a Boeing 747, not as a great big rock concert. It's a seed. It's small. It's unassuming. I mean, even an oak tree has a, has a seed that is no bigger than a quarter. The kingdom of God is coming to you small. It's coming to you quiet. It's coming to you slow because seeds have to have time to germinate in the soil and they have to have water, and they have to have nutrients, and it sprouts up, and it grows, and it grows slow, and it grows incrementally over and over again as the sun comes up and goes down, and as water comes, and as nutrients fill, it, it, it climbs slowly up the, the walls of your heart, and it builds into something that's great, but it begins very small, and that's why we always say that the kingdom of God work, it's, it's not microwave cooking, Right? It's, it's oven cooking. It's slow roasting over a, a fire pit. It's, it's smoking something in a smoker for days or weeks or months. It's slow work. Jesus is wanting to build something in you that will last, and it is slow work. So the sower is sowing seeds, and he's sowing it in joy, and it's coming to you in all of your circumstances, wherever you're at in life. But it's coming small, and it's coming slow, and it can't be hurried. We can't hurry it. Now, we come to the part that we all really uh, can, can identify with, the, the soils. 
The, the soils are, are us, right? The soils are our part in all of this. See, this doesn't make a lot of sense to many of us that, first of all, that God actually cares enough that he wants to sow seeds in us. That, that doesn't make sense in life. Like, I got to earn that. I got to earn God's noticing me enough for something kingdom to be grown in me. I've got I've to work for that. That the sower, that Jesus would love me enough to willy-nilly throw seeds into my life, into every corner of my heart. That makes no sense. And it also doesn't make sense that it would be slow, that I would have to wait for it to come alive and to grow, to see transformation and change in me. Man, we preach about transformation, transformation being a God word. It's slow. It's not instantaneous. I mean, sometimes God does come down and change somebody in the blink of an eye. I've seen addictions disappear. I've seen uh, sicknesses healed in, the, in a moment. But even in that, God is actually planting seeds because God uses miracles to expand the kingdom. So all these seeds that were planted in people's lives from that, it's slow and we don't like waiting. The people that Jesus was preaching to in this moment, they didn't like waiting either. And they'd been waiting for over 400 years since they'd heard any word from God. 400 years. And Jesus comes in and he says, guess what? You're expecting something great. You're expecting something fast. I've been sowing seeds all along and it's taking root and it's growing. And I'm out sowing seeds right now. And it doesn't matter what you got to do to me. You got to understand Jesus predicts his death not long after this. And the Pharisees are already plotting his death. And he's like, the seeds are out. They're growing in these people's hearts. Some of it, some of it hit path. Some of it bounced off and got eaten by the enemy. Some of it got into rocky soil, and it's, man, rocky soil people. We'll talk about you in a minute. <laughs> some, of it, some of it got into the weeds, and the weeds grew up and choked it out. But you know what? There is soil here, and that thing is going to grow up, and there's nothing you can do because the seed has been planted. It's going to grow, and it's going to produce fruit, and the kingdom of God will go forward in its time and in its way if we're patient. It's a crazy story. So the soil... Jesus is actually really pragmatic, and that's what, exactly what he's saying. That It's practical. Not everybody is going to receive what is sown, and not everybody's going to do it all the time. Some seed will bounce. When it comes to you, some seed will bounce. That's sad. Our response should be sorrow to this, not, not oh, okay, it's all right. I mean, I want to give grace, but at the same time, as people who have soil in our hearts were to receive the kingdom of God, we need to be asking ourselves, how is our soil? How is the soil of my heart and my mind and my life? Jesus knows that not every seed is going to take root in you. And he knows that sometimes that seed's going to come to you and you're going to get really excited. And this, Did my thing just die? No, this happens all the time. That people will come to church. And this is one of the things that Heidi and I have learned. When, they, when people come to church and on the first Sunday, they're like, this is the best church I've ever been to, and I have never seen anything like this, and this is, you know, God is going to speak to me here, and this is exactly what I need, and I am so in. They are often the quickest ones out the door. Not to say that, you know, for, to visitors, if you're feeling like, this is a cool church. <clears throat> I'm just saying, beware. We've seen it happen over and over again, because it's the seed that soil sown in rocky soil. This is the greatest thing ever. I needed to hear this. This is for me in this moment. And it springs up and it takes life and it, it's faster because it doesn't have much soil to put roots in. It's putting all of its effort into the outward. Oh man, Jesus just spoke to me on that. I didn't even see that until just now I said that. 
all the effort is going into the outward life, how I look, how big I am, how quickly this is growing, how my language has changed, how all of these, and the root doesn't go down into the soil because there's nowhere for it to go. And soon as it gets hard, as soon as somebody across the other side of the church says something weird and crazy and freaks me out, that, root's, that, that bush is gone, that little plant, that seed is done. As soon as somebody says something that I perceive as mean or nasty or critical, which, ladies and gentlemen, this room is full of human beings. I haven't seen any angels or perfect people in this room. You will hurt one another, and I will hurt you because we are human beings. If we are not rooted deeply into the love of God and his work in our lives, it will fade away. It will. And that's why we encourage you, get into the discipleship pathway that we have here at the church. Get into Rooted, the class. I mean, how perfect is that, right? Rooted. It says right on the package what it is, right? We're getting you rooted and established in the love of God and letting you put down deep roots into the soil of his word to live inside the house of the kingdom of God so that when you look around, the things that we're talking about aren't crazy. They're not absurd. There's just how we do things in the kingdom of God. We love each other. We forgive each other. We serve each other. We say crazy things. We go, wow, it was crazy. I love you. And we give each other hugs. We, we, we try to treat each other as Jesus would want to be treated in the kingdom of God. And it's crazy. And it'll never work if it's not rooted in you because it will wither and die. So be rooted. Be rooted. The hard ground. You know, I'm just jumping all over the place. I'm going to probably forget my notes here. I'll get to the end and use something, I'm sure. The hard soil. Hard soil is probably the one that we hear most about um, when the culture looks at the church from the outside and they say, that's crazy. Because it comes from a place of honest disbelieving. Often when you come to church, you hear pastors kind of bash the world. And I don't really think that's necessary. It used to be that the church was at the center of culture. Christianity was at the center of culture. And we used to be able to say, Hey, everybody's got the same moral standards. Everybody's got the same way of thinking. We, we know that everybody should give. We know that everybody should serve. We all go to church on Sunday morning. And as we've moved out of the center of culture, because culture has said, that stuff's crazy, we find ourselves out here on the margins. And we look out, and there's this critique of the church and this critique of our lives. And it's hard soil. It's people who said, hey, I, I believe in science. The Bible is crazy. I'm a scientist. We look outside, people say, hey, I have never experienced some kind of transcendent emotional experience where God spoke to me in a moment and his voice came. I'm not even sure there is a God. I don't believe that God exists. This is the world that we're swimming in, folks. And it's hard soil. But it's okay. Because God is still throwing seeds out there. Knowing that those seeds may be bouncing on the path and, and the enemy may come and gobble up that seed, but one, one seed is going to roll off that pathway someday. One seed is going to bounce and it's going to find some good soil and it's going to take root. Our job in this, ladies and gentlemen, is to be seed sowers with Jesus. To be seed sowers with Jesus. He's not calling us to save the world. It's not your job. He's not calling us to to go out and be a street evangelist or to throw great crusades. Maybe he's calling you to do that, but that's not everybody's calling. Our job is just to sow seeds, even in the hard paths, 
even in the places where we feel like it's impossible. Oh, they don't want to hear this. They don't care about this. Well, they don't know. We don't know what God might do. So we sow seeds in the hardest places. But we also need to remember that Jesus is actually saying this and speaking this to his disciples. And it's not just that the soil out there is hard, but that the soil right here is also hard in places. In the Bible, hardness of heart is one of the worst accusations that God lays before people. He says it to Pharaoh. His heart is hard toward me. Even though I I show him all of my wonders, even though he's had my people in his midst for as long as he can ever remember, and they've heard the stories of God's goodness and of God's love, even though all of this stuff, he still will not turn toward me. And so I gotta get harder, and I gotta get harder, and I gotta get harder and go after him until his heart of stone crushes and he can turn to me, until I can break that path up. Hardness of heart. Book of Isaiah God says, my people have hardened their heart toward me. Ezekiel, I believe, could be misquoting, but I believe it's Ezekiel. God says, I will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Having a hard heart is one of the worst accusations that God lays at our feet. Hardness of heart is the Pharisees judging. Hardness of heart is King David hiding a secret that's really uh, adultery and murder together at last. Hardness of heart is Israel building great wealth and power and position in the world on the backs of the poor and the needy. In our world, hardness of heart has to do with self-protection. It has to do with with looking to my own needs and my own goods and my own ways to the detriment of those around me. Hardness of heart comes and we guard ourselves or we hide, we self-protect Seeing kingdom seeds that God's throwing at you, they bounce right off. It happens in sermons very often. People get tired, or they they shut down and they start thinking. You start thinking about something else. Your mind wanders onto something. God's like throwing a seed at you, and and you're busy like, wait, i got to think about my paper. Oh, I've got my phone. Here's Facebook. It's distractions and all of these places where we allow ourselves to have hard hearts and to protect ourselves from the kingdom seeds coming in. And there's, we talked about the rocky ground, we talked about the hard, hardness of the path, and then there's the thorny ground. This is probably the one I understand the most. <laughs> because this summer we had, a, we had a garden, quote unquote. We've got a patch of dirt in our backyard that's supposed to be a garden. And you know what happened? We went away for like a weekend, and when we came back, the seeds that we had sown, you know, they'd came up. But so did a whole bunch of things that we didn't sow. And they're called weeds. And those weeds in our yard, particularly, if you like weeds, come visit me. I got weeds for you. Uh, they're thorns and thistles, and they grew up this tall over the summer. We could not keep them out of the ground fast enough. And your hands get all just tore up, and it hurts, and it's painful. And it, it grows so tightly that nothing else can grow there. And then it all fell down on stuff. And it's just this huge mess. And that's what Jesus says. Some of our hearts are like that. There's places in our hearts that are like that. In another parable, he says the enemy actually goes out and sows seed directly into us so that weeds would grow up and choke out what God plants. And here's the two things that Jesus says that those weeds that are growing up in our hearts. In my yard, it is thistles and thorns. In your heart, 
Jesus says the enemy has sown seed that grows up, grows up into weeds, and those weeds are the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of money. Two kinds of weeds, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of money. It's pretty easy to imagine the cares of this world, right? Let's shout out some. Shout out some cares of this world. Instagram, football games, work, grades. Okay, this side of the church, you guys are doing fabulous. I give you all an A at understanding the cares of this world. This side of the church, I'm not so sure. So why don't we give you guys a grade? So shout some things out. What do you guys, cares of this world? Bills. Bills. You're still on that side of the church. Come on. Facebook. Fitness. Ooh, fitness. What? Sickness. Did you say fitness or sickness? You did say fitness, so sickness. The people that are into fitness are like, she couldn't have said that. She <laughs> what else? Anything else? Family, yeah. Hard family situations, easy, good family situations. Like the best Christmas party ever could be a cares of this world that distracts us. When those things become ultimate is when they become a weed that chokes out the work that God is trying to do in you. Does that make sense? When those things become the most important thing, when those things become the thing that I skip church for, I'd said it. When those things become the thing that I skip church, that I skip my group, my skip rooted, when those things become ultimate, rooted the class. That's when they become a care of this world that is a weed that wants to choke out the kingdom seed that God is working in you. That's why we need to come. We need to keep hearing it and keep receiving it. The second one is the deceitfulness of money. And this is where everybody always squirms because we don't like to talk about money. And you know why that is? It's because money has the tightest grip on our hearts in this culture. And it's the truth. Whether we have any or we have lots, money has a tight grip on the hearts of God's people in this, this culture. The thing is, I look at it, and I think from the outside, he says, oh, it's the deceitfulness of money that's the problem. And I've never had a dollar bill lie to me in my entire life. <laughs> have you? I mean, that's kind of weird, right? It just doesn't happen. Except for it does say, in God we trust, right on the back of it. Uh, which God, right? It is a capital G, but that's kind of confusing. Money in life does lie. We think that money can purchase our way through. It can make us happy. It can lead us to uh, being having a fulfilled life, a comfortable life, a good life. Um, our culture really tells us that money can do anything except buy us love. And we only know that that doesn't work because of Paul McCartney. If he hadn't written the song, Can't Buy Me Love, we would think that money could buy us love. That's what we're told. So we get worried about our money. We get worried about how much we have or we don't have. And it becomes ultimate, and it becomes a weed that grows up, and it chokes out the kingdom seed that God is placing in you. The worries will grow at the same speed at which God's kingdom will grow in you. The seeds will grow at the same time but one will be stronger and greater. And it's a question of what do you make ultimate? What is most important? Is it money? Is it Facebook? Is it fitness? Is it sickness? Or is it God's kingdom work that's growing up in you? So that's why we actually give. 
to give you a really great example. It's because when we say we want to tithe, that's kind of one of the biblical standards is that God's people in the Old Testament would give 10% of their finances to support God's kingdom work. It's so that we take our hands off of it, all of our money, and say, hey, all of this is God's. So here's 10%, God, use that. And I'm going to use this other 80% to make life work so that I can, what? Whatever, it's math, come on. You know better than to challenge me in math because it's never right. 10% we give to God, 90%, whatever. And that's why we encourage you to move toward tithing. If you're just a giver, like you, I give occasionally. God, I get this sense that I need to give sometimes, and I give occasionally when my heartstrings are pulled. You're still holding on to your kingdom. You're still allowing it to be ultimate. That's why God says give. Give from the depths of your heart. Give everything that you have. The New Testament standard for giving is 100%. Because everything that we have belongs to God. So we got to get our hands off of these things. So to declare to money, you're not ultimate. To declare to time, you're not ultimate. I'm going to church. You're not ultimate. I'm going to group. You're not ultimate. I'm spending time in the Bible. You're not ultimate. Coming back over and over again in this thorny soil that our culture is laying for us, declaring that God is God alone. I don't know where the heck I am. This is going well, guys. So, hey, we're done. Ten minutes early. Perfect, I think. Uh, Got good soil left. Well, you know, I didn't actually write anything about good soil because it just seems so very obvious. I mean, I'm serious. Like, we know the good soil of our hearts by... God's kingdom taking root and growing. So the question is really, what kind of soil you got going on? How are the kingdom seeds coming and being implanted in you? Is it producing a harvest? A harvest of righteousness. Okay, my outer life has changed. My inner life has changed. The things that I have determined as ultimate have changed. Has it produced a harvest that says, I love my neighbor more than it did just yes- I did just yesterday? And that I'm able to love my neighbor better than I was just the other day. Is my life producing a harvest? And that's how you know if you've got the rocky soil, the thorny soil, or the hard, hard path in your heart. And that's where I want to end with us today. It's just to allow you a minute to actually look and ask yourselves these two questions. How is the kingdom seed coming to me? And how is it being received? How have I received it? Can we do that for just a minute? We'll just set with that, and then we'll go close by singing the doxology, I think.